Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Tonight's message is the Philistine spirit. So we're going to look into the Philistine, the characteristic of the Philistines, one of the great opposition to God's people. So I would title it the Philistine spirit, the pleasant poison. It's a poison. It gives you a lust or a hunger for pleasant things. The enticement that the Philistines used to gain the upper hand on the Israelites was a pleasant land, a pleasant lady, Delilah. Materialism, at its root, it's materialism, is what it really boils down to. Pleasant foods, they wouldn't fast. That was Samson's first downfall when he first started to become like the Philistines. First thing he did was break his fast, uh, which is always the first temptation, right? Adam, Jesus, if you can't control your belly, you can't control your lust, you won't control anything. It is a self-willed spirit. Samson wanted the honey even though he had to break his vow of holiness to fulfill getting it. He placed a higher value on feeding his belly than on obeying God. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 18, we won't have a lot of scripture tonight because I'm going to give you a lot of narrative that covers huge spanses of scripture so we won't read through it. I'm just going to kind of tell you a lot of the stories. But in Philippians chapter 3 verse 18, it says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So this is serious, right? This is Paul warning, and he's saying, I'm telling you of all of these people, and I'm weeping, and I'm telling you that these are the people that are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly Things And I don't think there's a greater description of the Philistine people than this. They mind earthly things. They care about the pleasant things, whatever pleases the flesh, and their God is their belly. They are controlled by what they want, when they want it, how they want it. doesn't matter how it affects anybody else. It's all about getting something. It's a materialistic mindset. It's a materialistic spirit. The word Hebrew literally meant people of the dust. So it was the opposite of the Philistines. The Philistines were all about pleasant things, nice homes, nice clothes, pretty women, pleasant food. God sends his people out into the wilderness. And we see one of the first things we we watched on the video, one of the first things God did was try to teach them how to only eat what they needed to survive, how to share the water at the well, how to not look at themselves, but to look at the community, the family, everyone around them. Because he was trying to strip them of this mindset which they had in Egypt, which was the same. He took them into the wilderness to teach them the lessons that they would need to be able to stand apart and be different when they got into the land of the Philistine. Because he wanted them to stand against the culture, not to continue to incorporate it. The wilderness was to strip materialism from them and make them happy to be humble to prepare them to counter the culture of the Philistines. So all of the things that we've been seeing in the series and will continue to see when 
He's showing you what they went through, these trials and these tests that God put them through in the wilderness. It was to prepare them to be able to, once they had all this materialism and selfishness, flesh-pleasing mindset, once all that was stripped away and they were happy to just be humble and be obedient and love the Lord and to be the people of the dust, as the Hebrews were called, once they came to that place where a little was enough, then he put them in the place that was flowing with milk and honey. Then he put them in the place of plenty. But he didn't put them there to become like it. He put them there to preach against it so that all the things that God had taught them in the wilderness, they would then go and teach in the promise. Of course, we know for the most part it didn't happen that way. They just fell right back into it. But you can't talk about the Philistine story without talking about the story of the tribe of Dan because it revolves all around that tribe. The tribe of Dan was pretty much utterly destroyed because of its involvement with the Philistine spirit. In the beginning, in the dividing of the lands, the tribe of Dan was given a territory that bordered the Philistines. There was really only one champion that arose out of the tribe of Dan, and that was Samson. So out of the tribe of Dan, God had divided the lands. He gave Dan this land. It's bordering the Philistines. Then there comes Samson. Samson was called from birth to holiness. Even his mom took the Nazarite vow to be separate and set apart, to be different from the culture. That was the mandate. Show them what is different. Show them what I taught you in the wilderness. Show them how to stand up for the weak. Show them how to be humble. Show them how to not be greedy and move in excess. Show them how you don't need all of these things, all of these gadgets and pleasantries. Remember, these were the people that were sacrificing their children so they could have a little bit more of an easy life or pleasant life. He's like, go and be the different. Be the demonstration of what is different. Be holiness. So he was meant to stand against it, but instead he embraced it. He embraced the culture, the sin, the women, and it killed his anointing. And then it killed him. He is, like I said, the only champion that the tribe of Dan ever had. But he did make it through because at least he did repent and stand against it in the end after his love for this culture and this excess had blinded him, bound him, and stripped him of everything. And so in this, I see that, you know, God strips us in the wilderness to give us the ability to stand against this spirit. But if you embrace it again, you're going to get stripped again. Samson got stripped again before he was able to stand before them and preach repentance. All right. The spirit of the Philistine puts on a pleasant form. It looks good on the surface. So God had to take his eyesight before he could see how vile the spirit was that lied beneath. This applies, rather it manifests in culture, material possessions, or in a man or a woman. Samson was blinded, and he didn't see how ugly it was until he was blinded because he was looking on the surface. And in this culture, everything you see on the surface looks good. Delilah was pretty, but she was ugly inside. The land was pretty, it was pleasant, but it was full of evil and wickedness. Overall, the tribe of Dan did not fight for the land that God had given them for their inheritance. They failed to subdue it. They allowed it to be overtaken by the giants. Then they left it to the enemy for a more pleasant land, which 
only served to bring them deeper into sin because the more pleasant land that they chose put them at the epicenter for Baal worship. Now, if they couldn't overcome the Philistines and the giants, do you think they could handle Baal? So God, when he divided the land, he gave each section to the tribes that was supposed to protect, defend, make it fruitful. They were supposed to fight for this land, this territory. The tribe of Dan was on the border with the Philistines. Instead, they incorporated with them. The Philistines overtook them, and so they decided, you know what, we're just going to go find us an even better land. God didn't move them. They went looking for another land that was full of rivers and waterfalls and beautiful. Well, guess who had that land? It was the epicenter for Baal worship. So they went and incorporated even more with more wickedness because they were trying to climb this ladder of success. God did not move them. They moved themselves. You see this a lot in ministries. This is where churches get off track very quickly. They start moving themselves. God did not move them. He gave them a vineyard and a territory. I've seen a lot of churches fall this way. They didn't seek God for his wisdom in their decisions. They just went after what they wanted. Chasing after more pleasant things, they moved their children right into the heart of Baal worship. This area later brought golden calf worship back to Israel. First, they compromised and embraced this antichrist culture around them. Then they promoted it and caused others to partake of it also. They allowed themselves to be influenced, and then they became the influencers of wickedness. A little side note here, we're not going to go into it, but many of the early Christians and Jewish scholars believed that the Antichrist would actually come out of the lineage of the tribe of Dan. And there's some prophecies in the Bible that kind of point to that direction. Um, we're not going to say that definitively. It's an interesting study, but we're not going to get into that. So great was the idolatry of the tribe of Dan because of their pursuit of fleshly pleasures, their lack of obedience, sacrifice, and self-discipline for the sake of holiness and their embracing of the culture rooted in selfishness and decadence that they actually lost their inheritance. They didn't fight or contend for it, as Paul puts it. They gave up the territory that God had given them for another of their own choosing. They decided to do their own thing, and God disinherited them. They left the land of their inheritance they were not faithful with the small things God gave them there, so he took away what little they had and gave it to others that had shown themselves more trustworthy. They are the only tribe among the 12 tribes that does not get an eternal inheritance mentioned in the book of Revelation. I kind of wonder sometimes if Jesus was thinking of them when he preached the message about the unfaithful servant that did nothing with what he was given. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. They put down their crown and somebody else picked it up. Then they got envious of the one who did. Just like Esau and Jacob, Esau despised. And the word, when it says that Esau despised his birthright, if you look up the interpretation, it literally means to think little of or he took it lightly. He didn't take serious what God had given him. So when Jacob was willing to fight for it, God gave it to him. Esau was willing to put it down. Jacob was willing to contend for it. God said he deserves it. 
Samson took his call lightly too. But when he cried out in repentance and gave up everything for it, God gave it back. Saul took his calling lightly and made excuses about why it was all right to do so, and he lost his crown, and God gave it to David. If you take lightly what God gives you or what God calls you to, God will let somebody else pick it up. You put the crown down, someone else will pick it up. Let no man take thy crown. I've seen this in my life a lot. I can't say for 100% if I was called from the beginning to everything that I've done. Maybe I was. I think probably not. I think I just picked up a lot of crowns that were put down. You know, Catherine Kuhlman often made the comment that she felt that there were at least five men called to do what she did, but they didn't do it, so she did it. And I can say in my life that we have picked up a lot of crowns that a lot of other people put down. And the crazy thing is that usually once you pick it up, they get jealous about it, just like Saul. But over the years, you know, people would come and they would go and, and they would start stuff with the kids, start plays, start programs, and then bail out. And then, oh, well, there's nobody here to do it. Just get up and get it done. That's picking up a crown. They're losing the reward they would have got for walking in what God gave them. And you're picking it up. I think that from everything, from sweeping the church, cutting the grass to preaching sermons and doing revivals. It's all stuff that you might have been called to. Praise the Lord if you are. But how many times is it something someone else was called to, but they put that crown down and you just picked it up? All right, Second Chronicles 29 verse 11 says, My son, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that ye should minister unto him and burn incense. This was a warning because that word negligence, again, translates to don't take it lightly. It's not a light thing that God has called you to. And if you don't take it seriously, God will pass it to someone who does. It's the Philistine spirit that lulls you to sleep spiritually like Delilah so she can take your crown away. Contend for the faith. Fight for it back, or God will give it to the one that does like Jacob fought for Esau's. Because he didn't think little of it. He was willing to contend for it. He even contended with God for it. And I think that's kind of the point of the whole story. We look at the story of Jacob and Esau, and it, it's kind of crazy. I kind of feel bad for Esau because he got tricked. I don't understand why God loves Jacob so much. He's kind of sneaky. What's going on here? I think the point God's trying to make is that Jacob was willing to contend for it. He was willing to fight for it. He even wrestled with God over this whole situation. He was willing to esteem it valuable when Esau didn't. Mordecai very clearly warns Esther not to let this happen to her in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, when he said, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall the enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Basically what he was saying is you were born for this. This is your calling. This is your place. But if you don't do it, if you keep silent now, God's going to pass it to somebody else. Somebody else will do it because he will keep his word and deliverance will come to the Jews but it won't come through you and you and your father's house will be destroyed. Basically, Esther, if you put the crown down, somebody else is going to pick it up and run with it. So 
just touching on that because that's what happened to the tribe of Dan. Let's get back to the, the Philistine culture and the characteristics of it because I think this is something that is plaguing our culture now. The Philistines sacrificed their children for convenience and prosperity. Of course, we know that that is no different than abortion. And as wicked as abortion is, there are also living sacrifices to Satan. The Philistines sacrificed their children for convenience. They would take them and put them on the altar in the hands of this bull and they would be burned alive and they would not have to raise them. They would pray to their gods for money and prosperity and they could have all the fun they wanted and didn't have to deal with these things. All right, that's abortion. But I see it also that there are parents with living children that do the same thing. They have a living sacrifice to Satan because when you don't discipline your children or correct them for your own convenience, then you are still sacrificing that child to Satan. Because the Bible says if a child is never corrected, they will end up in hell. It says if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. We think spoiling is cute, but spoiling means you took something that had value and you destroyed it. If your food spoils, it is now destroyed. It's good for nothing but the trash. All right? So you didn't take it seriously, the calling, the land that you were given. That child was a territory that you were supposed to fight for, and you didn't fight for them. You didn't do your job. In fact, you sacrificed them to Satan for convenience because you didn't want to have to deal with the, the responsibility of correcting or teaching or instructing those children. We've all seen you know, parents, they get so busy, they don't have time to. Maybe they do correct, but maybe they don't sit and instruct. Maybe they don't teach them the ways of the Lord. Maybe they don't help to mold that character when they see that they're doing something wrong. They're moving in this Philistine spirit. There's something that's out of line with scripture, but I'm not going to deal with it. They'll grow out of it. The preacher will fuss at them, whatever. No, that's your territory to fight for. Yes, if you put that crown down, somebody else may pick it up, but you're still going to have to face a judgment for it. The tribe of Dan lost their inheritance in eternity. The whole tribe is out of the book of Revelation. It's a lost tribe. It's gone because they didn't take it seriously. Undisciplined, uncorrected for convenience. Abandoned, unchurched for prosperity. How many times do we see children that are unchurched because the parents were more concerned with their job, with prosperity, with their yard work, with their housework? That is sacrificing your children to Satan for convenience and for prosperity. Ball games, school, work, entertainment, no home training or church, no example of sacrifice for what truly has worth. So they only see worth in what their parents and culture sacrifice for, what they give their time and energy for, their jobs, their money, their school, their sports, their entertainment, their vanity, their prosperity. That's what they think has worth because that's what they see their parents sacrificing for. What you sacrifice for is your idol. It is a God. It's what you love because love is sacrifice. True love sacrifices. The Philistines sacrificed for self, for vanity, and for prosperity. God sacrificed for others, for their deliverance, 
and to change their eternity. The Philistine culture was marked by perversion and seduction. Remember, Delilah was a Philistine. It draws you in to incorporate or mix with the culture rather than stand against it. It seeks to undo the lessons of the wilderness season. Whatever God taught you in your season of stripping, in your hard times, in your wilderness, there's things that God teaches you that he pulls you away from but then when you get to the promise when you're supposed to spread this message that spirit comes in to try to lull you and pull you back into those things and get you to agree with it and to forget the lessons that you learned it replaces it with a counterfeit intimacy that is leading you to entrapment it is a delilah delilah said come lay in my lap rest be entertained this is all tactics of the enemy don't play with it. Samson was willing to play with it. He thought he was strong enough to handle it. And I think many a Christian think, oh, I can, I can do just a little. I'm strong enough to handle it. I can drink just a little. I'm strong enough to handle it. Or maybe I can do a few video games. I'm strong enough to handle it. I know when to turn it off. Before you know it, you're hooked back in an RPG for the, ne- <laughs> for the next 100 hours. <laughs> Payday, something, every any little thing, any anything to get you on the hook, and then it's going to reel you in more and more and more. It's not that big, obvious, you know, Baal or Jezebel or those things that you see. This is it's a little more subtle. It's Delilah. It's come lay in my lap. It's take a rest. Just wait a minute. Stop the warfare for a little bit and just rest in the Lord. Yes, God does tell you that sometimes, but boy, there's another spirit that says, just keep resting, just keep resting, just keep resting, just keep resting. It's trying to steal your anointing. Before you know it, it'll put you to sleep spiritually and take your anointing. And the enemy will show up and you won't even realize that you've lost it. That the culture has robbed you of all of your spiritual strength and you can't resist the enemy anymore, and it takes you captive. Because it gave you a little drink here, a little sin there, hang out with the wrong people here, get in the wrong relationship there, enjoy this entertainment, don't spend any time with God, walk away from holiness, have intimacy with the world and with sin, you lose your anointing, and you don't even realize it. It's nice, it's pleasant, Then it's condescending, then it's belittling of holiness, true godliness, humility, obedience to God that calls us to be set apart from worldliness. You will find people with this spirit, they'll be your friend, they'll be nice, but then before you know it, they're talking bad about God, his people, or they're picking on you for fasting, they're making fun of you for going to church so much, they're trying to convince you not to do what God is calling you to do. They're making little of what God has called you to do. They're making light. They don't think highly of it, so they're convincing you to not think highly of it. It lulls you to sleep. It steals your anointing. It was the downfall of the tribe of Dan. Samson had to be stripped of everything and eventually willingly give up everything to break agreement with this spirit and overcome it. God stripped them in the wilderness to break that agreement and show them the right way. They went into the promised land and began to agree with it again, which means that they disagreed with what God had taught them. 
And Samson got out of it only because God stripped him again. But many didn't. And you see, Samson, like, there was the holiness. There was set apart. There was the Nazarite vow. They were different from the land. Many people say his first sin was the drinking at the party. But I think it was the taking the honey at the, the lion. He wasn't supposed to touch any dead thing. So he touched this unclean thing to get something sweet, the pleasant poison. That's its first way. That's how it gets you. It's not going to hurt anything, but he broke his promise to God. And then he went in, and the next thing he did was start partaking in the debauchery and the drinking and the food. And then it was the women, and it was a downward spiral from there. It doesn't look like it's anything serious. It's just nice. It's pleasant. It's poison. If we follow God's leading, God will strip us the easy way in the wilderness. If we rebel, he will strip us forcefully like Samson. Materialism is a hook of this spirit. Think of the rich young ruler. This is the spirit that Jesus was trying to identify in the rich young ruler. That's why he kept asking him these things to see if he was willing to get rid of that spirit, if he was willing to let go of his materialism, but his possessions, the pleasant things, were what he wanted. That was his God. And so Jesus let him go. I can't use him. He, God cannot use you as long as you are holding on to that spirit. You've got to be willing to let him strip you. So don't choose to keep it and walk away with it like the rich young ruler did. You can die in your rebellion like many did in the wilderness. So don't play with it. Following Jesus will cost you everything one way or the other. Either everything in this life willingly or everything in the next life forcefully. So choose wisely. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember the scripture when Jesus said, he who keeps his life will lose it. But he who's willing to give up his life, give up everything, whatever it takes, you'll gain it in eternal life. God takes you through wildernesses to prepare you. Then he positions you in the land of the Philistines to counter and conquer it, to influence it, to alter it, to overcome it, and to teach those of it the lessons of the wilderness, not to indulge in it or incorporate into it, not to become it like Samson. Fight it. Demonstrate holiness, separation. Maintain your Nazarite vow. Humility and lowliness. Commitment to Jesus. Dependence and obedience. These were the lessons of the wilderness. No allegiance to materialism, selfishness, greed, decadence, mammon, which is money, entertainment, mind-numbing, spirit-deafening pleasantries. This is their poison. The first act and major lesson of the wilderness was this. It was to the tribe of Dan, who were attacked from the rear by the Amalekite, that God is our provider, protector, our focus, our banner, and our allegiance, our attention, our obedience, our deliverance, and desire should be in him and him only. I think it was a bit of a warning whenever the Amalekites attacked, and we understand from the lesson that God was trying to teach them to look out for each other. But according to the lesson, it was the tribe of Dan where they attacked. And I think God was trying to teach them even then and there that God is your defender and your provider and your banner. Your allegiance has to be to him because without him, you have no protection. The Philistines were very undisciplined 
people. God had raised a generation in the wilderness to be disciplined, even down to their eating. The Philistines showed no discipline. They simply sought whatever was pleasant to them. Samson was born into a very disciplined people. His mom took the Nazarite vow, something women did not even normally do. But the whole time she had him, she the Nazarite vow included we think that it says that they couldn't drink alcohol but in actuality they couldn't have anything that pertained to the vine so they couldn't have the grape juice they couldn't have jelly they couldn't have anything that pertained to the vine right there's a couple of different things but it was a pretty strict vow the more samson embraced the philistine culture though the less discipline he became and the more compromising the first place you saw him do that was in food we talked about that the lion and the honey then the alcohol then the entertainment, he gambled. He gambled with people's lives. That's actually where he got his first wife killed. Then the relationships, the counterfeit intimacy comes in, starts happening. We don't have a real intimacy with God when we have this spirit. We might pretend that we do. We might put forth that we do. But it makes you so busy and so focused on earthly, worldly things. There's no way to have a true intimacy with Jesus. And then in the end, he gave up his glory for a nap in the enemy's lap. Because we know that biblically, hair always represents glory. And he lost his anointing for it. So, defeating the Philistine spirit. Goliath. Goliath, when I think of the Philistines, I think of Goliath. All right, so Goliath was the strong man of the Philistine army. He was the head of their legion. So if we're looking at the Philistines as kind of an overlaying spirit or a horde of demons influencing men, I think we would look at the strongman of them as Goliath. Goliath stands in defiance of God and of David. Remember that David is an archetype for Christ. So to me, therefore, it makes Goliath an archetype for the Antichrist. Goliath was prideful, mocking, self-willed, attention-seeking, intimidating. He wanted worship and adoration. He was boastful, blasphemous, speaking great swelling words against the God of heaven and his followers. That is a description from scripture of the Antichrist. And it fits Goliath perfectly. But David kills Goliath. So how was Goliath killed? He was killed by one who was willing to be stripped and trained in a wilderness. That's how you defeat this Antichrist spirit. Because the Antichrist spirit lulls and entices with materialism. If a person is materialistic, they will follow the Antichrist spirit. That's why the Bible says he gave the mark, and you can't buy, sell, or trade unless you take his mark or you're part of his system. It causes people to be pulled into this materialistic system, and then it latches them into it. But David, he defeats Goliath because he's willing to be one trained in the wilderness. And in the end, the church will defeat the, the true Antichrist because the church, the true church, will be willing to go out into the wilderness and be stripped. That's what tribulation is all about. No, the church is not going to miss tribulation. Tribulation is there to help strip the church so that they have the power and the training to defeat this Goliath. People that are being led by this Philistine spirit, they're followers, they are not leaders. When a leader arises, they follow, for good or for bad, but usually for bad. We sometimes call these trendies. That's always bothered me, that spirit of people who just take what they hear and run with it. 
or because they heard some famous person say it, or because they heard some big-name preacher say it, or because they saw it on TV, or because somebody that seems like they're somebody, they're just going to run with it. Or a celebrity wore this, so we're all going to do it. You know, I saw somebody famous with their hair like this, so I'm going to do it. Those kinds of people. That's the Philistine spirit. They're followers. When a leader arises, they follow it. They followed Goliath because he had stature. Because he looked like he was somebody. He wasn't even anybody. He was a boaster, he was a talker, but he looked like he was somebody because he was big. So they followed him. The Israelites, under the influence of that spirit, didn't follow David until he had killed Goliath because now he was somebody. And I see that in the church. I'm going to follow this person because now they did a miracle and everybody knows about it. Never mind the person faithfully speaking truth and doing miracles, but nobody's praising them for it, you know, like, this person's been on TV, so now they're special, so now we're going to follow them. They only followed David once he had did something that they perceived as amazing. So they were still being influenced by that spirit. Those with the Holy Spirit will follow God and not men because they believe that he is the greatest somebody. These and these only are the men and women that will stand in defiance of the Goliaths, that Antichrist spirit and defeat the minions, that Philistine spirit that are with him. In First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 13, it says, And the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God. And God said unto him, Go not up after them, return away from them, and come upon them over again, against the mulberry trees. And it shall be when thou shalt hear a sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt go out to battle, for God is gone forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. David therefore did as God commanded him, and they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon even to Gezer. Not only did David defeat Goliath, which was the strong man, but then he went after the whole army. And I see Goliath as a type of the Antichrist spirit, that strong man. But then all the minions that were following him, I see as the Philistine army. These people that are, they're just followers or these spirits that are leading these people to just follow stature and title and type and materialism and, and fancy clothes and hairdos and big houses, and I want to be like that one no matter what it costs you. It's a spirit of materialism that drives them. Give me things, free stuff, whatever you, as long as you promise me something pleasant, then, you know, I'm good, you know. Daddy had did a sermon one time, uh, your air condition or the, or the mark or something to that effect, you know, because we had had a hurricane and all the power was out for like two weeks. And after the people had sweated it out for two weeks, he preached a sermon to them. All right. Now, if they said that you couldn't have your power back in your air condition unless you took the mark of the beast, how many of you would take it? You know, if, if all you want in life is an air condition, then, then you're going you're gonna to take it. You know, so it's important for us to examine ourselves continuously about the things we pursue and what we're willing to take control of now because daddy always said that it, you know people they always say oh yeah when that happens I'm gonna stand for God I'm gonna go to prison because I'm gonna stand for the truth I'll they'll cut my head off I'm never gonna deny Christ 
But if you won't stand for him now when it's easy, you're not going to stand for him then when it's hard. And I think that we can apply that to our Christian walk in general. If we're not willing to fast, then we're not going to resist the devil when greater temptations come. You know, if we're not willing to take control over the lust of the eyes, or if we're not willing to take control of our time with the Lord, if we're not willing, the Bible says a man that is not in control of his own spirit is like a city without walls. In other words, the enemy overtakes it at any point. We have to be disciplined, and we have to be willing to maintain the lessons of the wilderness and not be influenced by the culture or by the pleasantries. Because God wants to bring seasoned, trained, humble people out of the wilderness into the promised land. He wants good, humble churches to be able to become big churches that will lead big congregations in big cities the right way. But he doesn't want you to go and be so overtaken that you then begin incorporating that which you were supposed to be demonstrating against. And that's what usually happens. We're going to pray against it in a moment. We're going to pray against it nationally because I do see a lot of what we see happening in the national scale. Socialism. Socialism is just a manifestation of this spirit. Give me free stuff. Whatever's pleasant. I'll follow you like the masses. Just give me a Goliath an antichrist spirit, and as long as you promise me pleasant things, I'll go for it. So we need to pray for the nation, but we need to pray for ourselves also because God has stripped all of us, and we don't want to waste any of the lessons that he's taught us when he begins to move us into better places because he's not moving us into better places to indulge in the places. He's moving us there to be willing to speak to those around us about what's wrong in those places not to become part of it. We pacify their children because they're cutting up. Oh, let me just give them this. Let me give them this to calm them down. Just pacifying them. And so that's a generation that, that's coming up. Not one of the Right. And that's part of the, the Philistine culture that sacrificed their kids for convenience. You know, and like I said, sometimes it's abortion. Sometimes it's just not raising them right. Sometimes it's not discipline. It's not doing the hard things that need to be done to tend to them and to cultivate that land. Uh, but it, it just breeds an agreement with that spirit that spreads until you have a whole nation and then you have a mob and then all you have to have is one Goliath rise up and they'll all follow him. But if you have a David rise up, they'll follow him too. So God, we pray for ourselves, Lord, for you to show us to expose this influence in us, Lord, in the areas where we are selfish, where we seek the pleasant poison, Lord, where we compromise, Lord, where we allow ourselves to be lulled to sleep by the entertainment, Lord, by wrong relationships, by intimacy with something other than our king. Lord, show us the places where we can cultivate, where we can be pruned, Lord, where we can be made more like you. Show us the places that we used to walk in greater holiness like Samson did in that Nazarite vow, but now we've let it go a little bit. Lord, show us the devotion we once walked in Lord, and how we should be pressing forward and moving harder, Lord, not falling back and becoming more complacent. Lord, show us the areas that we need to grow. We say we have no agreement, Lord, with this spirit or this culture or this typology. Lord, we don't want to fall prey to the Antichrist spirit. Lord, when it steps on the stage, we don't want to be materialistic. And Lord, we pray as a body for the churches that have fallen victim to this because they've been shown flashy, fleshly, pleasant things and Delilah's, Lord. 
that the churches would be humble, that they would remember the lessons of their wildernesses and that they would preach the messages that you gave them in the midst of it and not incorporate into the culture they were meant to stand against. Lord, we pray for our nation as a whole. Lord, that there would be a David that would arise, that would speak truth, that would preach truth, that would dare say to that Goliath, that antichrist spirit, how dare you defy the armies of the living God. He will stand in defense of his people if someone will speak faith for him to be able to back it up with the power and authority of heaven. Lord, we pray for conviction. Lord, we pray for the minds of the children of this nation to be loose from the influence of this spirit in the name of Jesus. Lord, let them see past their own selfishness, Lord. Break the thing that their parents put in them by not disciplining them, Lord, by making them selfish, by making them desire everything that pleases the flesh and not think of others, Lord. Break this curse that has been on this nation, Lord, in the name of Jesus and free the minds of the people that these children would rise up and say, this is not right. I'm not going to be led by this spirit, but I'm going to seek the word of the living God and I'm going to trust him no matter what it costs me. Lord, raise up David's all across this nation, Lord, that would move in the power of your might that these followers might follow someone who would lead them to you. And Lord, help us and help the children in this room to fulfill this commission. Help us to understand it, Lord, that it's not a hard message, but it is a warning. Lord, that if we don't get control over the lust of our own flesh, our desires, our time with entertainment, Lord, our incorporation into the world, the, the desires of our own belly, if we are not willing to put our spirit and our flesh into subjection, then we too can be cast away. We can lose our anointing. We can lose our place. We can put our crown down and have to stand before you on judgment day and watch somebody else receive the reward of it because they picked it up and ran with it. Lord, help us to take it seriously. Let us be shaken by it. Let us be awakened in our spirit, Lord. And as you continue to teach us through the videos, Lord, let us identify those lessons that you were teaching them in the wilderness and how we need to continue to walk in them wherever you place us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.